Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams, starting with his debut in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. And here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Well, here we are, folks. Episode 113 of The Baton. When I started this project in 2018, I had absolutely no idea that the show would go beyond episode 111. But that was before Steven Spielberg announced that he would do The Fablemans, long before there was serious talk of a fifth Indiana Jones movie adventure, and long before we felt that John Williams would work into his ninth decade of life. But here we are at episode 113, celebrating the 111th film score written by John Williams, who wrote the music for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny as he turned 91 years old. For a person in any profession, it's remarkable to continue working at such a high level into the 90s. For John Williams, that extended beyond just writing his scores at his piano. He also conducted most of the music cues and was doing much of it under the stress that comes with Hollywood movie deadlines. When I released the episode covering his sparse and elegant score for The Fablemans, John Williams had told the world that he planned to retire from writing film scores as soon as he was finished with the Indiana Jones score. That was late December 2022. About three weeks later in Los Angeles, during a special event looking back on their 50 years together, John Williams and Steven Spielberg talked about their collaboration on certain movies, and it was here that Williams told the audience that he wanted to take it back, that he is not retiring. Williams learned that Spielberg, who had also created whispers that he might be retiring from directing movies, was thinking about several projects to direct that sparked Williams' curiosity. One thing Stephen isn't is a man you can't say no to, Williams said at this event in mid-January, adding, I can't retire from music. A day without music is a mistake. And I definitely don't disagree with that last sentence. I should clarify that Williams' initial retirement plan didn't mean he was fully retiring from writing music, just from writing film scores. He wanted to expand his concert portfolio, which he had done the year before with a violin concerto for Anna Sophie Mutter. When Williams made that non-retirement announcement, he hadn't yet been named as a nominee for the Best Original Score Oscar for his work on The Fablemans, but it was a few days away. It was widely believed that he was going to be nominated, And Williams fans, including myself, felt there was a chance that Williams could win the Oscar as a final acknowledgement for his great work. After this non-retirement announcement, it seemed like Williams gave the Academy reason to hold off on honoring him with a sixth Academy Award. And that is exactly what happened on March 12, 2023, when Volker Bertelmann won the original score for his work on the German war film, All Quiet on the Western Front. At this point, John Williams had pretty much been written off as a potential upset winner, but I can tell you that I thought it really could happen right up until the second that Bertelman's name was read. 
I feel that almost every time John Williams has been nominated since Schindler's List, I feel that he's going to win. So that was Williams' 48th Oscar loss, and it's still the largest win-to-loss ratio in history. Maybe he'll get nomination number 54 for the score that made its debut in late June 2023, and the fifth and final time he would explore the Indiana Jones universe. And before I go on, I do want to tell you that I will be talking about plot details from the Dial of Destiny, so you might want to stop here if you don't want to know about certain scenes. So way back when they inked a deal to make Raiders of the Lost Ark in the late 1970s, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg agreed to do five Indiana Jones movies, which was not a secret when The Last Crusade was released, but there was a belief that Lucas and Spielberg would not have to honor that deal. Once Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out in 2008, it was obvious they had to make another one after that. Whereas Crystal Skull took almost 20 years to make after Last Crusade, the time between Crystal Skull and Dial of Destiny was only 15 years. And they had to work fast. Harrison Ford was approaching 80 years old, and even though movie magic and some amazing stunt doubles could do most of his work, would audiences believe that Indiana Jones would be cracking his whip into his late 70s? So to take care of this issue, the four writers of the Dial of Destiny script, including director James Mangold, put the main action in 1969, which would make Indiana Jones in his early 70s and not his late 70s. We never learn how old Indiana Jones is on this latest adventure, but you can do the math. Not only was Harrison Ford getting older, but the man who gave Indy his musical voice was in his twilight years as well. I figured John Williams would announce that he was going to hand over the duties of composing the score to someone else while submitting a theme or two for the movie. This is what he did for the Han Solo standalone movie in 2018, and no one raised a fuss. But I guess Williams thought Indiana Jones needed his touch as a final send-off. And before we learned of that unretirement announcement, it would have been a very fitting way for John Williams to say goodbye to film music as well. In order to drum up interest in the film and his score, John Williams made a surprise debut of his main new piece of music at his annual Hollywood Bowl appearance in September 2022, just one month after finishing up most of the score recording. I had been to the five previous Labor Day weekend concerts, but in 2022, I decided against making the trip to Los Angeles. I had always hoped to hear some new music at these Hollywood Bowl concerts, including any new music from the final three Star Wars films those years. But no dice there. So of course, he just had to bring us a performance debut at the one concert I could not attend. I wasn't mad, though. I got to hear it on YouTube, which is the rare time I decide to listen to music from a film score before hearing it in the film. It was written for the character Helena, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, as the daughter of Indy's former archaeologist friend. Helena, as Williams described her before conducting the piece, is adventurous, she's also a femme fatale, she's many things. Williams describes the music as reaching back to old Hollywood, and I have to say it's fairly accurate.
Because they have begun a very lucrative collaboration, it's only natural that John Williams created a violin version of Helena's theme for Anne Sophie Mutter. That version was released on the soundtrack album and brings out the beauty of the theme a little more than what was played at the Hollywood Bowl.
before I do some deep dives into the score. I want you to know that I did enjoy watching the last Indiana Jones movie. It was never boring. But it was a retread of the previous four films in terms of plot direction. In all five of the Indiana Jones films, there is an artifact that Indy wants to keep out of the hands of the villain. And in every movie, the villain still gets his hands on it, even though the results are never good for him. That's true in Dial of Destiny, and as usual, Nazis are involved. I knew what was going to happen about 15 minutes before it happened on screen, all except for the last 15 minutes. One of the things that stood out for me in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was the decision to make Helena a very active character. She's pretty much equal to Indy in every step of the way, and it made me wonder if there could be a spin-off movie series featuring her. When you listen to Helena's theme, you don't hear much of the adventure that is front and center in Helena the character, but it is a wonderful complement to the Indiana Jones theme. Speaking of that old chestnut, we hear the main theme lots of times throughout the movie, as well as other pieces of music from previous films. And I don't mean callbacks. I mean pieces of music that almost seem to be directly lifted specifically from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and the desert chase music from Raiders of the Lost Ark. The opening sequence in Dial of Destiny, set in 1944 when we first learn about the dial, features the Nazi theme from The Last Crusade and other direct lifts from previous indie movies. That's not surprising given that this movie is taking place a few years after the events of Last Crusade, using some movie magic to make 79-year-old Harrison Ford look like he's in his late 40s. There isn't much musically interesting material in this 20-minute prologue sequence in 1944, and with all the sound effects of the train engine and firing guns, Williams might have made the decision to write music for mood and not create any thematic structure. This would have been a good place to introduce a theme for the title Dial of Destiny, which interestingly hardly exists in the movie score. There isn't a strong discernible theme for this dial that was supposedly made by the ancient Greek mathematician Archimedes though William certainly could have made it one just as good as the Ark theme or the Grail theme. And that might be the flaw of the score. 
There is a lot of music in the film, more than two hours long, but there isn't much to tie everything together. There aren't standout musical themes that your brain latches onto and gets excited about hearing every time it appears. There is a fantastic essay written by Frank Lehman, who was my co-host for episode 111, about the music of the Indiana Jones series, and he talks about the construction of the action music in the desert chase scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, then makes slight comparisons to the action music in Dial of Destiny. He notes, quote, Pounding ostinati, spiky octatonic patterns, and densely woven contrapuntal tapestries, end quote. And he finds that it's also not just in the desert chase scene, but in the third act of Dial of Destiny. In that film, it's hard to hear with all of the sound effects of airplanes and explosions as Indy and others are fighting the ancient Romans. Now, you'll just have to see the movie to understand that last sentence. But musically, all I can make out during this scene was a lot of brass trying to be heard. On the soundtrack album, it comes out a lot clearer.
But I will point out that Frank Lehman's essay spends a lot of time praising Williams's composition techniques. Though, again, he only uses the music from this one scene in Dial of Destiny to make his point. All of the rest of the compositional highlights are from the first three films. So what does that mean overall? To me, it means that a professor of music theory such as Lehman was hard-pressed to find musical moments in Dial of Destiny to show how great Williams is. I was also hard-pressed to find those in the score as well, though I'm not saying it means Dial of Destiny is a bad score. It's still much better than what most other composers are doing for action movies. So as far as it being the main theme of the film, Helena's theme takes center stage in the final act leading up to that battle, as does the theme for the main villain, Jürgen Bowler. Bowler's theme has a great moment early in the film when we see that he has survived the fight on top of the train back in 1944. Low and brooding with those chilling ostinatos, the theme does suggest pure evil.
One thing I like the most about the Indiana Jones movies are the chase scenes. I'm going to throw out the ludicrous chase through the jungle and Crystal Skull as an anomaly and say that the chases in Dial of Destiny hold up to the Indiana Jones traditions. John Williams doesn't create much suspense with them as he did in the famous desert chase of Raiders of the Lost Ark, or as much fun as he did with the original train chase scene from the beginning of Last Crusade. But there are some great orchestrations which help drive the visuals. Unfortunately, neither Williams nor director James Mangold, nor anyone associated with creating the soundtrack for Dial of Destiny, thought two of those scenes had soundtrack-worthy music, so I can't bring them to you here. The fun chase scene on the roof featuring Helena and one of Bowler's henchmen has some great moments of pulsing brass that dialed up the intensity of the scene a bit. And then there was the chase through an anti-war demonstration and a parade for Neil Armstrong and the Moonlanders. Indy is riding through the streets of New York City on a horse with that henchman following on a motorcycle. It's not the type of chase I would have imagined, but it has a nice dose of comedy and action complemented by notes on the low end of the piano that are often hard to hear in the film. There is a lengthy stretch of the movie that takes place in Tangier, on the northern coast of Morocco. Helena is trying to sell the half of the dial that she has to a room full of wealthy men, but Indy stops the auction and tries to get the dial back. The result is a fun few minutes that features music very reminiscent of one of my favorite scenes from the 2012 movie The Adventures of Tintin, with music by John Williams. The fugue you hear feels inspired by the flashback sword fight scene from Tintin, especially since both scenes have flourishing flutes and strings. This scene in Dial Destiny was already fun to watch, but I felt myself smiling a bit when the strings came in. It makes you wonder if the decision was by Williams to use that variation on his own work, or if Mangold made the directive, or if it's a coincidence. Williams has said he almost never listens to his own work after it's done, and probably did not research his music from a non-Indiana Jones movie to put into Dial of Destiny. And I can't imagine James Mangold knew that this music was in The Adventures of Tintin, and so probably did not say, hey, let's grab that piece from Tintin and put a little bit of it in here. 
Either way, it was a nice touch to put into the movie. Immediately after that is a very long car chase scene through Tangier, with Indy and Helena on a tuk-tuk, or a small motorized buggy. They're in pursuit of Voller and the dial. Several times, the music from the boat scene in Venice from Last Crusade is pasted into the chase, which is a head-scratcher in terms of context, but both do feature Indiana Jones and a woman in a perilous chase. Williams and his team decided not to put those callbacks onto the soundtrack album, an interesting choice given the music from other parts of previous indie movies appear elsewhere on the album.
A lot of film critics and YouTube creators have discussed the film's ending at length, pondering the choice Indy makes about where to spend the rest of his life. We have to be happy that he chooses to be with his one true love, Marion, because it gives us all a reason to shed a tear when we hear her theme, as Harrison Ford and Karen Allen recreate their famous kiss scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And even better, it doesn't even try to top that one, ending the film with a shot of Indy's fedora that takes us to the end credits and the full Indiana Jones theme.
Listening to this track and others from the album, it reinforced the fact that this score does not have a standalone musical sequence that could be lifted from the film and played in the concert hall. Yes, there's hell in this theme, and it's quite nice, but think about the scores from the first three films. How many of those tracks would you consider to be desert island tracks that you can listen to repeatedly for the rest of your life? Personally, I would pick the Desert Chase or the Basket Game from Raiders, the Bug Tunnel scene from Temple of Doom, and Indy's very first adventure from Last Crusade, and probably the scene with the ants from Crystal Skull. So what would be your desert island cue from Dial of Destiny? If I really had to make a choice, it would be the auction scene just because the orchestration is so fun and interesting. And normally, the end credits music from all the Indiana Jones movies would get my vote, but not from Dial of Destiny. It does start with that full rendition of the Indiana Jones theme, but after we hear Helena's theme, Bowler's theme, and what I believe is the Dial theme, there isn't another rousing performance of Indy's theme. That's surprising to me, but I'm sure there were many discussions about this. Since Indy is no longer going on global adventures, I guess there is no need to give that theme another go. But it's one of those few action scores that doesn't send us out of the theater with a big musical finish. So, with John Williams done with Indiana Jones, one has to wonder if the sentiment alone will bring another Oscar nomination to John Williams for Dial of Destiny. Because of the heavy use of pre-existing themes and pasting music from previous indie films, the score might not fit the current rules that the new score have at least 80% of the score be completely new. Many people have noted that Williams seems to be able to skirt these rules because he's John Williams, highlighting the music from the Star Wars sequel trilogy as examples. The only way we'll know if the score for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is eligible for Academy Award is when the list of eligible scores is announced in late December 2023. So what do we as John Williams fans do until then? Well, we could save up some money for a trip to the East Coast this summer to see John Williams in action at the Tanglewood Music Festival in August. Or for a more expensive trip, see him conduct in Japan in September. For someone who used to do just one or two concert performances at the height of its career, it's amazing that John Williams is booked solid through February 2024. What is he going to do after that? Only John Williams knows and maybe Steven Spielberg, depending on whether or not Spielberg gets his next film off the ground soon. So, Baton fans, expect another episode of this podcast somewhere down the road. I'm looking forward to the next big John Williams film score announcement, and I'll cover that film extensively on the Baton, A John Williams Musical Journey. So a big thanks to all of you who have been a part of this show since the first episode dropped in 2019, and of course for those who are still finding it many years later. Until episode 114, the baton is down.